0: Love Talk
1: Radio. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show, the program for people who love animals. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I have some fabulous guests lined up for you today. Susan Hill, an animal communicator, will explain how her special gift has helped many people and animals overcome some pretty serious problems. Then later, Neil Bowers, who is a very funny guy and a wonderful author, will be giving cats, that's right, cats, some tips on training their people. So, if your cat is napping, wake her up now and ever get ready to take notes. Lots of fun stuff just on the other side of the break, so don't go away. More Pet Place Radio is just ahead here on KGIL, AM 1260 and 540. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio show on AM 1260 and 540. I'm Marie Hewlett, and joining us now is Susan Hill. Welcome Susan. Thanks for being here.
2: Yes, thanks for having me. It's great to be here today.
1: You know, you are an animal communicator and we've had a few animal communicators on our show in the past and it's always um so interesting to talk with animal communicators and find out a little bit about what they do and how they help animals and so I'm really excited to hear about this. Um, how did you first know you were able to communicate with animals?
2: Well, I had had a dog named Allie. He was half Doberman and half uh, black lab, and he was a really special dog. And he came into my life in a, in a period in, in in my life when things weren't really going all that well. And he kind of kind of helped me a lot. Um, he was kind of I guess what you'd call um, kind of like more evolved than me. You know? <laughs> and it's, you, you know how you meet uh-huh. a special animal and they just seem to know more than you do? Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, he was kind of like that way for me. And he he didn't have um, very good health history. He had a lot of health issues. And he had gotten mm. um, uh, cancer, bone mm. cancer. It was very painful. And through his, his uh, the dying process and his death, um, he actually started to communicate with me. And at the time, I didn't really quite understand because I was really in my own thoughts and I didn't, Know what to make of it all. Sure, hard to think I was cracking up. Oh, <laughs> or I mean, you know, when you're going through grief, you mm-hmm. you you, it's a, a lot of emotion right. present, and I was really distraught, so I wasn't really quite sure what to make of it all.
1: Uh, so when you say he began to communicate with you, um, yeah. He wasn't barking and you weren't understanding his bark. Something else was going on. Right.
2: It's based on telepathic communication, which is something that's really natural for everyone, although it's not really recognized in our Western society as much as it is in the East.
0: Okay. Um,
2: It's, what I say is it's a lot like kind of like the movie What Women Want with Mel Gibson, uh-huh. where he can actually walk down the street and hear women's thoughts. And that's a form of communication, with like an audio, where you actually hear their thoughts, okay. like a verbal thought, mm-hmm. like as if they were really speaking.
1: Okay. That's
2: one way that communication can come telepathically. Okay. So that's, that's how I explain it. A lot of people understand, having seen the movie.
1: Okay. Yeah. But with uh, a pet, though, you're not necessarily
2: hearing English in your thoughts. You're hearing more feelings? How would you describe that? Actually, it does come the same way. I don't know how to explain it, except Mm -hmm. for I think there's some sort of an editing mechanism in our brains. You know, they say that our brains are like the most powerful computer. Yes. Uh That way more powerful than any computer that man could make. Mm -hmm. So we have this sort of untapped ability in all different areas, and this is one area where we haven't developed ourselves to be able to open our minds and use it to communicate uh, telepathically so you can pick up information all different ways and um, one way is to hear another way would be kind of like to get a download of like a video file as if yeah just like coming to your computer sure. you can uh-huh. actually see it kind of in your your mind's eye uh, that's another way or you can pick up other senses as well you can pick up smell okay you know, I had one dog that was sending me information about spaghetti sauce uh-huh. someone was cooking and I actually could smell it, you know, but wow. it, not, not as if it was real, but in in a different way, more like the brain was interpreting something that was coming on a, a different different frequency. Oh, that makes sense. If you can understand it, but then I don't really understand how electricity works. Uh-huh. I don't understand how computers work, but they do, so mm-hmm. it's similar. Okay. Yeah.
1: Now, when did you start realizing that you could also sense what other animals were thinking and feeling?
2: Um well, you know, I with my dog's death, Allie, I started studying and reading, and, and I was very curious. I'm like, what is this all about? You know, what's happening? What's happened to me? And then I started to take courses with Penelope Smith. She's a renowned, uh, world-known pioneer in the field of yes, animal I communication. Yes, Penelope. She's done it a long, long time. Mm-hmm. She's a wonderful woman. And uh, she uh, taught some courses to me, and it helped really to open me up and get me to really stop thinking so much in my own, my own thoughts, okay. but come more into my whole body and, and pick up the sensory information with my whole body, so it's it's a meditation. Okay. We are learning to quiet your mind and become sort of one with everything. This is animals are. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Animals live that way all the time.
1: Okay. Well, are. you know, I I think that's completely true. Um, we were talking earlier about my cockatoo, and there have been a lot of studies with parrots in particular, um, with their ESP um, talents. And I tell you, I'm I'm mostly uh, sure that, that my parrot knows everything I'm thinking because anytime I'm in bed, sound asleep, and then I wake up, even if I just, I don't stir at all, all I do is just open my eyes. The moment I open my eyes and I'm conscious, my parrot, who's, you know, a few doors down the hall, starts, you know, calling to me. And it's... It's amazing because he can't hear anything but he knows I'm awake. So he starts calling and it's and you know I know some people might say um well he was probably already calling and that's what woke you up but that's not it. I'll wake up, it's silent and all of a sudden I'll hear him start calling. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really interesting. I really do feel he's very in tune with me.
2: You know, that's a possibility for your parent with you in your relationship, but mm-hmm. also animals have an incredible sense of time.
0: Mm-hmm. You could
2: say, I'm going to be gone seven days, and they'll be waiting for you on the seventh day, mm-hmm. knowing that you're going to arrive. It's amazing. So it has a lot to do also with the time. They know what time you're to get up, and sometimes they can wake you up saying, come on now, you're, you're over If I tell my
1: cats that I'm going to be yeah. gone and then I do get back, they ignore me.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and they give me the cold shoulder for about two or three days.
2: Yeah, cats <laughs> tend to be more aloof and independent. Yeah.
1: You know? Well, my guys are usually really friendly, but they do not like it when I leave them for any stretch of time at all, and they really uh, they really act out. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> Revenge of the cats. Now, um, you use your gift to actually help other people with their animals. Can you tell me a little
2: bit about that? Well, yeah. Uh, you know, I started really just working with the communication aspect. Okay. And... Then I found that um, through my own dogs, I have other dogs as well now that have a lot of behavior issues, and I, I, you know, the communication was based on my own human psychology, you know, rationalizing the way humans do, not really getting into the behavior as much of how animals view the world Mm -hmm. with their own, you know, specific uh, animal behaviors like dog psychology, Mm -hmm. uh, horse psychology, that kind of thing. So I was finding there was something kind of off, and. You know, the way the way the universe kind of works, it brings you what you need, not always what you want, so that you can grow. So I have these two Dobermans, and they have a lot of problems. One has um, super excitement, and she was becoming dog aggressive. Uh-oh. And the other one was anxious. So when I would take them out on a walk, they would start to fight, and I would hmm. get caught in the middle, and I'd get bit. Oh, no. And I didn't know how to handle it. Now, I could communicate, you know, telepathically, and what I was getting from the female who was the cause he would say, um, you know, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm just, I'm really upset. These, you know, all these things are upsetting me, and I'm reacting. Well, But I didn't, so I, I could communicate, but I just didn't know how to solve the problem. Uh-huh. So I had moved a year and a half ago uh, from the East Coast to uh, Orange County, and everyone was telling me, you know, you've got to call Cesar Milan. You've got to call him. He, he's the one. He's uh-huh. going to help you. So sure enough, I made my little videotape and sent it in, and then we got to be on the show. And I learned so much from Caesar, Uh just so much. So what I do is I combine what he taught me with his, you know, his dog psychology techniques. Oh, interesting. About being calm, you know, and assertive. How, How whatever energy you're projecting is going to influence your animal. Now, if you have a dog that's, you know, happy-go-lucky, basically you can do anything, and they're just going to be happy-go-lucky.
1: Sure. Uh But if you
2: have a dog that has excitement issues... They're very sensitive, so if you're having a bad day, it's going to make them snap, you know, go from, you know, zero to a hundred in like a second in terms of intensity, well, it'll escalate. So I learned, you know, pretty quick from him that just really how to to be aware of what I was sending out. Okay. And now then I teach other people how to do that with their dogs, you know, or other animals too. Birds too are very sensitive to energy.
1: Mm-hmm. How do you actually put out that, that calm vibe? I mean, if you're upset and anxious, um, you have to calm yourself
2: first. Right. But sometimes that's hard to do. How do you do it? Yeah, and it takes a lot of self-awareness. Okay. So I always start with the breath. I just, you know, first of all, I'll mention it and I'll say, notice that, first of all, you're, watch, look what your dog is doing. Your mm-hmm. dog is upset. So they're feeding off of whatever you're putting out. Okay. So look within yourself you know, are you, how are you feeling? And then they'll start to, you know, realize, you know, I am a little nervous or whatever. And then I'll get them to take deep breaths. Okay. And it's, it's all based on yoga, you okay. know, and meditation. Very, very old techniques of just getting people to slow down and become more calm and centered. And then I get I say, okay, this is how animals are all the time. For the most part, this is how they live. Just very calm. Wow. And except the ones that have the problems. And then yeah. they're in our lives that teach just, <laughs> you know,
1: you know, you, you mentioned Cesar Milan, and, and I do watch that show. It's um, it's a fun show to watch for me, and it seems like he gets the dogs to behave so quickly, almost impossibly quickly. Is this just editing? <laughs> Since you've been on the show,
2: you can tell. You know, everyone asks me that question, and I, I have to say, Caesar is awesome. Uh-huh. He's he's just the most positive, uh, uplifting guy, um, and he's just so sweet. I, I, you just love being around him. He has this this charima- charismatic presence about mm-hmm. him. Um, you know, it's funny. As soon as he comes on to the set, and they make him stay away because he his presence is so strong in terms of getting animals to relax. Okay. That everything would shift and they wouldn't have the dogs doing the bad behavior. Oh, okay. so they Yeah. So <laughs> as soon as he comes on the set around, you know, later on in the day, mm-hmm. um, it's amazing. The animals just go, whoa! He's the pack leader. Wow. and they just go into their submissive thing, you know, for oh, the that's most part. Interesting. It is really cool. Okay. He's really just in tune with them and he can foresee the slightest little bit of um, tension, you know, in in the animal before it gets to where you would see it as a, in a larger scale, you know.
1: Wow. But he's
2: really gifted, yeah.
1: It must have been really fun to do that with Caesar.
2: It was. It was it was really fun.
1: Now, now you're doing this on your own. Let me ask you what's been the most difficult case that you've had?
2: You know, that's a really good question and you know, not there isn't one that's really coming to mind specifically, but there are some cases where the animal usually I work with dogs, so I'll say a dog. The dog is um having some, you know, behavior problems, is upset.
0: Mm-hmm. A
2: lot of times they are they're a rescue dog and they've had some abuse in the past. So they're you know, they've got some they're apprehensive of humans. Okay. When the person, the owner of the dog, doesn't want to realize that they have to shift what they're doing, you know, they, they, they think it's all the dog's fault, mm-hmm. that's when it's really hard. Oh, that's so true. You know, true. that's the hardest mm-hmm. part. Uh, my ideal client is someone that really is excited about, you know what, you're right, I'm going to make some changes within myself because this is for the best of everyone. That's right. the most fun. And, and that's the
1: hardest person to find, too, because most people don't want to change. They want their animal to change
2: usually when they call it's because they know that they need to do things differently oh that's good it's kind of reached the limit you know when they realize i can't live this way anymore Uh uh-huh so that's really good but i'll get an occasional person who just you know they just really don't want to make the shift and then that's that's really hard and it's sad because you you know that the animal is being held back wow susan if somebody
1: wanted to get a hold of you if they have um, some behavioral issues with their with their dog how can they do that
2: sure you can go to my website. It's channelanimal.com. That's C-H-A-N-N is a Nancy, E-L, and then animal.com. You can also reach me through email, susan at channelanimal.com, and you can also call me, 949-309-0808. Wonderful. This has been so interesting. Thanks for taking time to come by today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. Oh, that's good. It's break time here on the Pet Place
1: Radio Show, but don't go away. We'll be back in just a minute on KGIL, and 1260 and 540. Welcome back to the Pet Place Radio Show on KGIL AM 1260 and 540. I'm Marie Hewlett and joining us now is author Neil Bowers. Welcome to the Pet Place, Neil. Thanks, Marie. Now you've written a terrific book from the perspective of a kitty cat who apparently has written this book for you and I just wanted to tell you that my daughter and I read it together. She's 10 years old and we just had a blast. It was so
3: funny. Well, I'm really pleased to hear that. It's uh, I hope it would appeal to a broad range of readers. Uh, I tried to uh, to capture what I see as the the cat's kind of dry sense of humor about us people. I think they have a lot of fun watching us.
1: I think so too. They, there's a lot going on in those brains, and and sometimes I wonder if it's a little bit on the devious side.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I suspect it is. As, as you could tell from um, the cat who speaks uh, my book, Elliot, uh, the bookstore cat. He's kind of a, a mischievous guy himself.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, what inspired you to write um basically a training manual for cats to uh to, you know, better coexist with their humans?
3: My wife and I have six cats. We've uh, uh focused on special needs cats, those cats that might not be adopted from the shelter uh just m- as a matter of, you know, the regular adoption process. So we we have a kind of interesting crew we have uh... one with three legs uh, one one who's missing an eye we have one who's totally deaf and so that they kind of run that way you know with disabilities but they're wonderful cats and uh... there's no question in our house that they run things that they're in charge (laughs) so i suppose the idea actually came from my cats and i Began to wonder uh, if if the cats were to write a book, or if if a cat were to write a book about the adoption process from the cat's point of view, what kinds of things would the cat say? And so that was the origin of uh, of Cat's Rule.
1: Well, I thought it was really interesting uh, how you analyze the differences between the male humans and the female humans. <laughs>
3: <laughs> as you as you can tell from what Elliot says about men and cats, I'm probably in the extreme human minority as a male who admits that he loves cats because for some reason, guys, it may be some kind of macho thing that lingers. And in spite of everything, all the progress we've, we've made, uh, you know, in terms of gender roles, that, that guys are a little embarrassed to admit they like cats, but they very often do.
1: You know, that that is true, and, and it seems that dogs tend to be the pets for men and cats tend to be the pets for women but as far as I'm concerned real men love cats.
3: Well, I would second that, <laughs> Murray. I think that's absolutely true. I don't see any reason not to love cats. I mean, they're they're wonderful companions. They have minds of their own and uh, I think they do uh manage us in in uh in, in a lot of ways that we're not even aware of.
1: Mhm. Well, I know how my cats manage me. Um if I'm not awake at six o'clock in the morning and they are, uh they make sure that I am too. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I know. They have their little techniques, don't
1: yes, they? Yes, yes they do. My my cat gets right in my face and then just uh just starts batting my nose, you know, come on, wake Bye-bye. up, I'm awake. <laughs> Time for you to wake up.
3: Well I have uh my, my neighbors had a had a cat uh some years ago who I mention him in, in the book, actually, or I should say Elliot mentions him, uh, he he uh, steadily, just by persistence, created an extra meal for himself at about 2 or 2.30 every morning because he persisted in waking them up. And the only way they could get him to leave them alone was to give him a little food. So it became a part of his routine. I, if that's not training humans, I don't know what is. <laughs>
1: That is so funny. Hey, I want to ask you, is Elliot, the character who supposedly wrote this book, The Kitty Cat, is it a real bookstore cat?
3: No, he's actually a a composite of uh, cats that we have right now, the six that we have now, and cats that we have had over the years. Uh, I I was hesitant, I do know there are lots of bookstore cats, and uh, I've been in touch with a good many of them. Uh, it's interesting, if if I write to a bookstore uh, that has an email address and I write as Elliot to the bookstore cat, I'll get a reply from the bookstore cat.
0: Oh, that's uh, funny. I've
3: had some interesting communications with bookstore cats in the in the last couple of months, but uh, I didn't want Elliot to be a specific cat in anyone's bookstore. I wanted him to be representative of all those cats. And in fact, in some ways, of, of shop cats in general, because there are cats in all kinds of stores. It's surprising sometimes how many cats are actually involved in business and we don't even realize it.
1: I like it when businesses have cats as mascots. It's kind of fun to go in, especially if the cats are real social.
3: Yeah, I do too. There, there's, a, there's a place here in my town where uh, the primary uh, product is lawnmowers and snowblowers and chainsaws. And the guy who runs the store has a black cat named Flash. And uh, I was absolutely stunned the first time I went in there a couple of years ago to see this guy with the cat sitting on the counter. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's otherwise, you know, your typical guy.
0: Uh-huh.
3: And, uh, and there he is with this cat. And I so I talked to him about it, and he said, oh, it was a stray, came along, needed a home. I brought him in. He, he's worked out really well. well. I'm thinking, okay, Flash is actually running the store.
1: I <laughs> <laughs> wonder if he has a salary.
3: Uh, you know, his salary is probably just the pleasure he gets from being the manager.
1: Oh, okay. Without yes, that's anybody true. else
3: appreciating it.
1: That's true. You know, cats really enjoy being in charge. I think that's real obvious.
3: Yeah, I think so.
1: Now, I really enjoyed the drawings in your book. Um, did you do the drawings?
3: No, they're they're done by um a woman named Rose Shipes uh who lives in Tennessee and she's uh actually a friend of mine from high school which is too many years ago for me to,
0: to
1: <laughs> own
3: up to so I won't, we won't tell. <laughs> I won't say how many years that is but uh she's somebody I've kept in touch with uh you know the way you do old friends uh just here and there over the years and uh when she she's uh, one of those rare people who still write actual letters that go through the mail, you know not oh, the,
1: not emails, huh
3: she illustrates her letters and she's done it o- over all these years, and she illustrates them with the funniest little marginal uh, drawings of cats, and sometimes she also has dogs of her own and sometimes dogs and uh, I've known for years that she was extremely talented as an artist, and so I asked her if she would read the manuscript when I had a, a finished rough draft and see if it gave her any ideas for drawings. And the way she responded was with about a dozen of really wonderful drawings, and then we kept, we just kept working together after that, and it was such a natural kind of fit.
1: Well, she must really be into cat personalities also because she really seemed to capture you know, the kind of snootiness that cats have in, in all of these illustrations.
3: Yes, they're, they're, they're uh, regality. Oh, okay, we'll call it regality. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I really enjoyed those a lot. Now, um, if what's the very main idea of the book? If you had, you know, one or two sentences to describe, you know, what you were going after
0: with this book.
3: Well, I think the, the primary thing I wanted to do was to remind people who own cats or have cats in their homes and uh, and other pets, that it's a two-way deal. Uh, we tend to see everything from a human point of view, and it's probably very good to imagine what things are like from the point of view of another species. I think we can learn a lot about ourselves by thinking in that way. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's both a, uh, a fun part to it. I mean, what, if you imagine how cats, see us and how they regard us. I mean, for example, Elliot says very near the beginning of the book that we're we're kind of cumbersome because we're so big and we're not very agile, but we make up for that because we produce a lot of body heat. Mm-hmm. Which, which cats appreciate. That's why they like to sit on the laps like that. That's think. right. And uh I think you know, if you start thinking, you know, how how we might look to a cat as opposed to how cats look to us and the fact that we may have been manipulated into making all kinds of accommodations for our pets without really thinking much about it. I think it creates a different appreciation for the relationship we have to other creatures.
1: Yes, that's for sure. Neil, we're just about out of time, but I'd like to thank you for telling us about your book. And before I let you go, please tell the listeners how they can get a copy.
3: You can get a copy by going online and going to Amazon.com and uh, just typing in Cat's Rule, and or my name, Neil Bowers, and uh, it's only $12.99, and Amazon can get it to you overnight if you want it really fast.
1: And it's a fun read, too. Well, we need to take our final break, but we'll be back with Pet Place news in just a minute, so please stay tuned to the Pet Place Radio Show here on AM 1260 and
0: 540.
1: We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for some Pet Place news and events. On Sunday, March 29th, from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., our friends at Animal Acres need your help to kick off the 2009 tour and event season. After a long winter, the cows, pigs, chickens, and other country critters are ready to welcome you to the sanctuary. Come and meet their farm animal friends and hear their heartwarming stories as you give a pig a belly rub, kiss a cow, and talk to a turkey. It's all free, so you can't beat that. Animal Acres Sanctuary is located at 5200 Escondido Canyon Road in Acton. So it's just a fun drive away. And don't forget to check out the Pet Place website at PetPlace.org to find out more Pet Place news. And once there, click on the contact link and say hi or give us some suggestions for topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show. That's all for me today. Remember, pets need love. And a home too. We'll be back next weekend here on AN 1260 and 540. I'm Marie Hewlett. Please stay or new to your pets and have a wonderful day.